0: Welcome to Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar, coming to you from my office at the, uh, the sponsor of the, uh, this Farm podcast, and that is the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy, where, uh, where I, John Bazar, am an associate professor of pharmacy practice. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Duvelisib, uh, which was a new drug approved on February 24th, 2018, by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Today is the 26th, so a couple days later. So let's get right into this. Duvelisib, brand name Capictra, is a PI3 kinase uh, delta and gamma inhibitor, and it is approved for relapsed refractory CLL slash SLL. It's chronic lymphocytic leukemia or small lymphocytic lymphoma uh, after two lines of treatment, and that was a regular approval. It was also approved for relapsed refractory follicular lymphoma after two lines of treatment. Now, that was an accelerated approval and therefore is contingent Upon further studies to verify its effectiveness. Now, this initial approval of duvelisib is identical to the uh, initial approval of Idylalisib, another PI3 kinase inhibitor that was approved, uh, you know, five or six years ago, I want to say. Its approval has since been updated, but it was also approved initially for CLL and follicular lymphoma in the same, uh, in the same basically approval for those two at the same time. Its approval has since been updated to be used Um, with rituximab um, in an upfront setting in people who could only tolerate rituximab. There is a third PI3 kinase inhibitor as well that is copanlacib and it has the same approval for follicular lymphoma that duvelacib does but not approval for CLL. Okay moving on the dose 25 milligrams PO twice daily with or without food The drug comes as 25 milligram capsules and 15 milligram capsules, which gives you a hint as to the dose reduction. So there's only one dose level dose reduction. That's to 15 twice daily. Uh, And there are lots of reasons that could lead to dose reduction, which I won't get into. Um, But one thing that I will point out is that the package that very clearly states that these patients should also receive concomitant PCP, as we used to call it, or now call it, pneumocystis gervicii pneumonia prophylaxis, or PJP prophylaxis. Because of the risk of uh, basically opportunistic infections, um, the idelalisib package insert says to consider PJP prophylaxis. The copanlisib PI says to consider in an at-risk population for PJP prophylaxis. And as we go through duvelisib, I will make comparisons to each of the other two PI3 kinase inhibitors on the market, just because it's fun, right? Okay, so. Duvelisib works by inhibiting PI3 kinase, which is a pathway in, in all cells, really, the PI3-AKT-MTOR uh, pathway. And the PI3 kinase um, is constitutively active in neoplastic B cells. Now, there are several different isozymes. So we have Alpha, sorry, elta, elta. there's no Elta PI3 kinase. There's an Alpha, Beta, Delta, and Gamma. Duvelisib inhibits PI3 kinase Delta and Gamma. Copanilisib inhibits Alpha and Delta, and idolatilisib just Delta. Now this is for their PI. Uh, I'll, I'll go through in really riveting audio detail later the, the IC50 values here. But the Delta isoform is what is most important in immune cells, and it is present in normal B cells and T cells, and is part of their activation pathway. Uh, the delta uh, isoform seems to be involved in immune cells with regards to promoting inflammation, and we know that inflammation is one of the hallmarks of cancer because inflammation brings in a whole bunch of pro-growth mediators as well as stimulate angiogenesis. And then the alpha and beta isoforms are targets for solid tumors, so seem to be the isoforms that are expressed in most of our normal healthy cells. So when we look at these, uh, the potency of these, so these are going I'm gonna go through the IC50. Um, values in nano, nanomoles for these three compounds. And what this is the, the concentration of the drug that will occupy half of the receptor. So the lower the value the more potent the IC50, the more potent the PI3 kinase inhibitor is. So I'm going to start with Copanlisib, which is a pan PI3 kinase inhibitor. So here are the IC50 values for alpha, beta, delta, gamma in that order. So for copanelacib, 0.5, 3.7, 0.7, 6.4. These are going to be the lowest for all four isozymes. So copanelacib is the most potent PI3 kinase inhibitor and the most indiscriminate PI3 kinase inhibitor. So it's not that selective for the delta uh, isoform, which is what we would probably want to be most specific for hematologic malignancies. Um, Iadolacib... For alpha is 820, 565, so very large values. Delta, 2.5, that's a lower value, and then gamma, 89. And then duvelisib is 1,602 for alpha, 85 for delta, 2.5 for delta, the exact same potency as idolisib, and then 27 for gamma. So you can see here that all three of these have very small IC50 values for the delta isoform, copanlicib being the lowest. However, copanlicib also has the lowest values for the other three isoforms, suggesting uh, that you're probably going to get maybe more off-target toxicity if we consider our target to be the delta isoform and maybe uh, the gamma isoform as well. Uh, I think there's one other thing I want to point about these isoforms, and I'm, I'm just killing time to kind of come up with what I was going to say. Uh, oh, so the alpha and beta forms uh, for copanilacid, you see 0.5 IC50 for for alpha, 3.7 for beta, much lower than 820, 565, 1602, and 85 for alpha and beta for idelalisib and uh, uh respectively. And that'll be important when we look at the toxicity fo- profile between these two drugs. However, before we get to toxicity, uh, let's look at um, the efficacy of this. And I'm, I'm gonna point out, really, you know, for for uh, CLL, this had a, you know, and this is a third line setting, Develacib was compared to ofatumumab, but only 100 patients or so in each arm that were in the third line. You know a 16.4 month median pfs better than ofatumab, 78 percent overall response rate pretty good uh, if we compare the uh the results for follicular lymphoma because all three drugs have the same approval for follicular lymphoma this gives us a chance to kind of look at you know which drug quote may be better and this is dangerous because these are these are heterogeneous populations from these studies but you're looking at 72 to 104 patients in each of these studies, so around 75 to 100 patients. Uh, overall response rate uh, is all we're gonna uh, discuss here. So for duvetilisib, 42%, that's the lowest response rate. Develisib, uh let's see, for copanilisib, 59%, that has the highest response rate, and then idylalisib, 54%. Um, and that copanilisib has the highest response rate, also has the lowest IC50 value for the delta isoform, and also the lowest, um, for the gamma isoform. So maybe some, uh, maybe we would expect that. Of course, just IC50 is not going to tell you how great the drug is going to work. In the real patient, you have to consider the pharmacokinetics as well. And of course, what types of patients are on these studies. So uh, not, not the, the purest way to compare these drugs. Uh, and I would not hold our breath, or I would not hold my breath, and I would not encourage you to hold your breath to wait for head-to-head comparisons of these drugs. Let's move on to the uh, toxicity and the warnings, precautions for for mostly duvelisib with some comparison to these other three pi these other two PI3 kinase inhibitors. So there is there are four boxed warnings for duvelisib. The first one is for infection. 31% of patients had a fatal or serious infection, um, which is a pretty high number. Uh, this could be pneumonia, sepsis, things like neutropenic fever would have counted. Um, uh, there is also a boxed warning for infection for idylalisib, 21 to 36% uh, fatal or serious infection risk, so in the same ballpark as duvalisib. Copenlicib, uh only 19%, and there is no boxed warning for that, which is a little, um, uh, maybe a little bit surprising. Uh, there is also a boxed warning for duvelisib for diarrhea slash colitis, which occurred in a serious way in 18% of patients, and a fatal way in one patient out of 400 plus that were studied. Um Real quick, the numbers here for Eidolosib, 14.9%, uh, and then for Copanelosib, 5%. So a little bit lower uh, for Copanelosib here, uh, and there was no a specific warning about diarrhea or colitis with Um Now, the median time to onset for the severe diarrhea for Divellosib was four months, with three quarters of patients who had serious diarrhea having it within eight months. So this is not the typical oral tyrosine kinase, or oral antineoplastic diarrhea, the typical TKI diarrhea starts initially in the first couple days, two weeks, and then is is self-limiting as, say, your body or your GI tract develops tolerance to it. Maybe that's related to the low bioavailability of many of these drugs. This is a different type of diarrhea. We've seen the same thing with idylalicin, and it's a late-forming diarrhea that's often Uh, profuse, watery, doesn't respond very well to anti-motility agents, and may require steroids. Uh, So for a a grade 3 diarrhea or colitis, which would be more than six stools a day, uh, diarrhea accompanied by abdominal pain or blood, that uh, requires stopping the drug, obviously, and then treating with, quote, an enteric acting steroid, which is going to be budesonide. So keep an eye out uh, for that, of course, ruling out infectious causes as well, since there's a box for infection for this agent. Uh, the third box warning is for cutaneous reactions uh, occurred in 5% of patients, including DRESS, which is drug reaction with eosinophilia and systemic symptoms, so DRESS syndrome, or uh, TEN, toxic epidermal necrolysis. Um, 2.8% risk of serious rashes with copanilacib and uh, 3% with idolalacib. So uh, again, we're seeing a class effect. Another class effect here, non-infectious pneumonitis, uh, boxed warning for duvelisib occurred in 5%, which is the same number that was seen in copanlacib and then 4% with idylalacib. So, so, so same rates really across the board. Uh, there is also a boxed warning, not a boxed warning, uh, but a warning precaution for hepatotoxicity and neutropenia as well. So the, I'm going to give you the, the rates of increases of LFTs and then grade 3-4. Uh, so, 15% any increase in AST or ALT with Develocib, 2 to 8% of that uh, grade 3 or 4. Hepatotoxicity was not listed at all in the PI for Copainlocib. So, a trend we're starting to see here is Copainlocib, while it is inhibitor of all types of PI3 kinase. We're not seeing maybe some of the other toxicities because it uh, is so specific maybe we're able to use a lower dose to have the same level of delta PI3 kinase inhibition. Now idolatel is really the worst in the class for hepatotoxicity. uh, Any increase in AST-LT was seen in in 41 to 50 percent of patients and uh, a grade three or four increase in AST or ALT happened in eight and 14 percent of patients respectively. Uh, for neutropenia, we're seeing 53 to 63% uh, any type of neutropenia of any of these three drugs. Uh, Duvetilacib has the highest rate of grade 3 or 4 neutropenia, being 42%. And you're looking at 27 and 25% for copanilacib and idolalacib for grade 3 or 4 neutropenia. So Duvetil-Sib, uh is the most myelosuppressive of these drugs, it appears. The median time to a grade 3 neutropenia was two months, so it's not... Going to happen in two weeks, say like you would expect for an IV chemotherapy drug, but two months. So this requires monitoring the CBC every two weeks for two months, and then uh, and then probably monthly thereafter. And then of course there's also a box warnings for embryo-fetal toxicity for this drug. So patients taking this uh, should be on contra- should be on uh, a bare method of contraception, and then for one month after taking the drug. Uh, just to run through the list of uh, the numbers of other toxicities of note uh, that are common, 24% of patients had nausea with develosid, but only 1% of that being grade 3 or 4. Ration, 31%, and we've talked about the, the box box for cutaneous reactions. 50% had some kind of diarrhea, and we talked about the rate of 18% serious or fatal uh, diarrhea or colitis. Uh, A decrease in platelets occurred in 39% of patients, with only 5% of that being grade 3 or 4. And then lymphopenia occurred in 21%, uh, with 9% of that being uh, grade 3. And a a grade 3 lymphopenia would be an absolute lymphocyte count less than 500. And again, that would have that risk of PCP. So whether or not the PCP risk that we see with these class of drugs is due to a decrease in lymphocyte count, or maybe more likely due to actually just blocking uh, immune system activity by blocking PI3 kinase, which which I would say is probably more likely. And then finally, as pharmacists, one thing that we can offer unique uh, to maybe many other clinicians is evaluating drug interaction with these patients. So just to get it out of the way, the most annoying drug interaction QT prolongation, which does not occur with any of these three PI3 kinase inhibitors, which in and of itself is a small miracle. However, all three of these compounds are 3A4 substrates. Um, so duvelocib and idylalacib are metabolized primarily by 3A4 while copanilacib is metabolized by 3A4 about 90% and then less than 10% metabolism by CYP1A1. Copanilacib is not a 3A4 inhibitor while uh, duvelacib and idylalacib are 3A4 inhibitors. And it's a 3A4 inhibitor the way that ketoconazole is a 3A4 inhibitor. It's a pretty severe inhibitor. Idylalacib, for example, increased the AUC area under the curve, or total drug exposure of midazolam by 5.4 fold. Uh, In fact, we had a patient, and if uh, you, you know, PubMed my name, you'll find this case report we published of a patient who presented with acute respiratory failure uh, due to a drug interaction between her diazepam and idylalicine that happened basically within two weeks after starting idylalicine because of this drug interaction. Uh, well, duvelacid increases the midazolam AUC by 4.3-fold, so not quite as potent a 3A4 inhibitor, but still potent enough to cause trouble and uh, and some dangerous stuff with drugs that have a narrow therapeutic index if they are metabolized by 3A4, which is a lot of drugs. So big drug ration concerns with duvelacid as well as with idylalicid. So those uh, are the PI3 kinase inhibitors that we have on the market with uh, some emphasis on Duvelisib. So. If I were to review uh, the big points, uh, if you're going to remember a couple things, and again, you can always go to the package insert for a, for a new drug. It's very easy to find, uh, but it's, it's by mouth twice a day. Uh, by the way, idolosib is also PO twice a day, whereas copanlisib is an IV drug. So that's another unique thing about copanlisib. It's IV, whereas the other PI3 kinase inhibitors are taken by mouth, and copanlisib's IV, three weeks on, one week off. But duvelazib... Uh, is by mouth twice a day with or without food which is always important uh, requires PCP prophylaxis so in most patients that would be uh, you know a double strength Bactrim once a day on Monday Wednesday or f- and Friday uh, uh, or if they have a sulfa allergy inhaled pentamidine is usually what we use uh, so that's required with duvelosib and should be considered with the other two and then the toxicity concerns, and then screen for drug interactions, especially drug interactions caused by duvelisib on other drugs that are three or four substrates. Uh, there has been some um, some fascinating stuff that has come out lately. There is a a, a large lung cancer conference going on, so hopefully uh, next week I'll be able to do a quick review of some updates in and, and lung cancer, which is uh, the most common and deadliest cancer that we have. So something that's always worthwhile talking about, in my opinion. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to OncoPharm. Um Follow me on Twitter at PharmDietnip. Follow the podcast at Pod. Go on the iTunes um, podcast app and, and give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you'd like to hear more of, whether it's just uh, foundations in oncology pharmacy and talking more about you know, the bread and butter drugs like oxaloplatin and etoposide, uh, or whether you want to hear more about landmark clinical trials, uh, or what you want to know about. Maybe it's supportive care. Let us know what you're interested in. Feel free to send me questions. If you have anything, any burning question that you can't answer yourself, I'd be happy to, to do a little ditty about it on the podcast. And as always, I hope to see you all a little further down the road.